Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Epic Fantasy Romance. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Oh, paradise. Today is, uh, it's Monday, isn't it? July 10th. Um, yeah, so here we are in July, right? Uh, hope you all are doing well. I have exciting news uh, that I should have mentioned Friday and forgot, uh, but the Rogue Familiar audiobook is live and out in the wild. Um, it is on Audible for the time being, uh, which I know, I know, um, but Audible, you know, will do that deal. If you give them the first three months exclusive, they give you a much higher royalty rate and it's worth it to recoup my money. Uh, my audiobook narrator, the delightful Deborah Baum, asked me if I would be interested in doing like a series of interviews with her. So uh, that could be upcoming. That would be really fun. So yes, um, I will have the link in the show notes or you can go to my website, look at Rogue, Rogue Familiar and uh, yeah, Audible link there. Um, and if you are an audiobook reviewer out there or uh, want to be, I do have some free download codes. Um, so contact me. You can comment on the podcast or you can uh, write to the website contact form. My assistant gets those and her name is Corrine, C-A-R-I-E-N, Corrine, and tell her that you would like to review she is um she is my no dragon so just so you know uh she will want to know like where you review or where you post but if you do that would love that if you would do so ah. so uh yeah great to have that done you know it's interesting when you self-publish books that the, you know it's this multi-stage process and it feels like getting the audio book out there for me um, is like the last stage. Other incredibly well-organized authors like, I don't know, Jennifer Estep. <laughs> she and I have totally different ways of working, um, but she makes sure that her audio book is ready to go on release date for the rest. So she is um, a good kitty, but she also like finishes her books way, way ahead of release date. Uh, and it drives her crazy that I'm like finishing a book that I intend to release in a couple of weeks. So um, that's true friendship, isn't it? Where you drive each other crazy. Uh, doing well on Onira. Still coming along. How I don't have my numbers. Ooh, dare we pause. Let's try. Well, not a lot of change since Friday. If you listened on Friday. Uh, because I don't write on the weekends. So there's not a lot of change from Friday to Monday. Uh, I passed 71,000 words. If all goes well, if all goes really, really well, I'll be done with the draft this week. Uh, I did not have a brilliant day on Friday. Uh, if you didn't listen to the podcast on Friday, on Wednesday, I got my second shingles vaccine which completely knocked me out for Thursday. And I've talked to a couple other people and they're like, oh yeah, 
it kills you for the entire day. So be warned. Um, and then Friday I was better, but I was slow. I was back to doing my slow hours. So it is what it is. I still got decent progress on Friday and I just accepted it for what it was. Uh, and then I'm hoping to get 3k today. And then this afternoon I fly to Tucson to go, uh, help my mom out. And so we'll see, I'm really hoping to get some words in while I'm there, but to, to finish this actually, is it doable? Even if I got 3k per day, um, Well, let's see here. Let's do a little bit of calculating because that would be 15,000. It would be right close because I'm guessing that this book is going to be about 87,000 words. So we'll see. I'll, I'll get it up there. Um, it could be, I can get it up to sketch in the ending. So then I can revise while we're road tripping. Um, it's kind of funny because I didn't turn on my computer the entire weekend. I didn't plan it that way, but it worked out that way. Uh, and it was great. <laughs> aggressively filling the well, right? I love how people are picking up on this aggressively filling the well. On Saturday morning, I went to empowered flow yoga with my favorite yoga teacher who is finally back. Um, she was dealing with cancer and had to go through chemotherapy. And then it was a long time before she could do in-person classes again. And I hate doing zoom yoga. I just, ugh, I don't like doing it through the screen. And, uh, so, you know, she was oblivious to my needs clearly, <laughs> uh, but it was so nice to see her and she was so happy to see me and we hugged and it was a fabulous class and yeah. So it was great. And now my friend Megan may go with me next Saturday. So I'm excited about that because I come back on Friday. Uh, yeah. So, so then I came back from yoga. I went and ran some errands while I was in the city, while I was in town, uh, ran errands and so forth and came back and did some tours around the house. And I got all, um, one of the things I wanted to do, and if you're on video, you can see the crab apple tree behind me. I posted photos to social media too, but doesn't it look beautiful? It looks beautiful. So much space within the branches. Well, this is because there had been one branch that I'd been noticing as I sit here in my grape arbor, uh, reading, noticing that the, that there was a dead branch and I thought, oh, I should go clear out this dead branch. So I got out, um, the branch cutter tool and discovered I needed a saw. So I went back and got a saw. I mean, it was one of those jobs where I ended up with like four different tools by the time I was done. But once I got up in there and started clearing out like the one dead branch, I started seeing that there were more and more and more. So there's gotta be a name for jobs like that, right? You know, like where they, you know, changing one thing reveals the more things that need to be done. So I ended up spending a couple of hours <laughs> scratched the hell out of myself. <laughs> Those branches were so dry and prickly, but it was, um, so rewarding. It looked so great. So by the time I finished doing that, uh, 
I was like, I'm going to reward myself. <laughs> and I was hungry. And so I reordered pizza and I had some beer and sat in the grape barber. And from like three o'clock on, I just ended up sitting on the grape barber and reading. <clears throat> and all that time I kept thinking, oh, well, I could turn on the computer to do X, Y, Z. I also did some other gardening things. And I thought, eh, why turn it on? I'm not going to turn it on. I can turn it on tomorrow. So then on Sunday, yesterday, we went to Abiquiu. We went fishing. We had kind of a delayed start. And I never turned on my computer because I thought we were going to go. And so I was reading and waiting for everyone to be ready to go. And then everyone being my husband. <clears throat> and so then we kind of left late. And... Oh, it was a funny date because we had this delayed departure because part of it was because the cat wouldn't come in. That's why I say everyone. Well, we couldn't find the one cat. Uh, so we had to wait until we found him. Mosquitoes. Uh, <laughs> so then we get up to Española, which is sort of a town. Not sort of. It is a town to the north of Santa Fe. And you go through Española to get to Abiquiu. And there is... I mean, it's like there is only one true path. There is one highway that goes through there, unless you go down and, and really go around. But anyway, when we were in town, it turned out it was like Española days, and they were having the big carnival and a parade. A parade. Where did they decide to have this parade? Yes, that's right. On the one highway that you can take to go north and south through Española. If you're familiar, that's the road they had it on. They had it closed off for this incredibly long parade for a town that size. And so I kept trying to wend my way around through the side streets thinking, surely I can get around to the top. And the last side street that was like at the top of, you know, that I'm not being articulate describing this. Do you know what I mean? Like, there, there, otherwise there's like hills and wilderness, right? <laughs> no roads. And so the last road to get up to the highway, and they had the parade, like, just sort of looping down through there. So there was literally no way, unless we had gone way back down and up and around. And it was like, no, I'll just be patient. I mean, my facsimile of patience. And I will sit there and I will watch. So we kind of watched the parade, which I probably should have been more cheerful about watching. But um, anyway, <laughs> so we got up to Abiquiu. It was great. A nice day at the lake. Got to sit in my floaty chair, reading my book. I keep referring to this book I'm reading, and I'm going to talk about it um, eventually. Uh, so, so, yeah, and then we came back and... I took care of a few things that I needed to do still at the house. And then I was like, I'm just going to have a cold beer. And yeah, that was, that was kind of it for our evening. <laughs> so I ended up never turning my computer on. Hopefully I won't regret that choice. Hopefully nobody was really looking for me. Although if people really need to find me, they know how. Uh, so the book I'm reading. Cassiel's Servant by Jacqueline Carey. Uh, if you are a Jacqueline Carey fan, then you have been waiting for this book. Like I have been waiting for this book for years, ever since she announced she was doing this. 
uh, some background. Uh, Jacqueline Carey wrote the book Cushiel's Dart uh, that came out in, um, I think, the early 90s. I could find out the exact date, but I won't pause to do it. Uh, she wrote that trilogy, um, Cushiel's Dart, Cushiel's Chosen, Cushiel's Avatar, and then followed it up with The Next Generation with the trilogy that are Emery's books. She's written some other books in that world. But that original trilogy is, um, you know, it, it's canon. It is bedrock for a lot of people. It was a gateway drug for many people. Uh, I have loved, loved, loved that book. I have read it twice. I mean, two and a three quarters times. I mean, I've, you know what I mean? All the way through twice. Um, and it's a lot, these are long, long books too. So <clears throat> like outlined or long, if you've read Gabaldon, which I, I don't know, she might be slightly more famous, probably more famous because of the show. Anyway, so what, Jacqueline Carey decided to do is the same thing that some other authors have been doing recently. And I have talked about on this podcast, uh, where she, so Gushiel's dart is written from the heroine's first person point of view, Phaedra. And in the book, there is the hero is Jocelyn Veray, who is a priest of Cassiel, thus Cassiel's servant. He is the perfect companion. He is essentially a paladin. And he is the one who is oath sworn to protect Phaedra, who is a courtesan and spy. And so what she decided to do is she's essentially written the exact story of Cushiel's dart, but from Jocelyn's point of view. And I think I was not alone. And when she announced she was doing this, oh, excuse me. <laughs> See, I got so excited. I was like, oh, hell yes. Yes, I want Jocelyn's story. And I am uh, devouring this book. I'm more than halfway through. I started it Friday and I'm more than halfway through the um, yep, 500 pages in trade paper, paperback size. And it's very interesting because you may have heard me talk about it on this podcast that you know, as times change, oh, I'm going to sneeze. And as sneezes come, <coughs> I, that might not be the only one. <coughs> there we go. Thank you. I know I, I know all of you say bless you out there. Uh, or your version of it. So as sneezes made me lose my train of thought. Oh, so one thing about Cushiel's Dart, that it has been low these 30 years since it came out and reading tastes change. And I've talked about this a lot when I talk about beginnings, uh, especially if you are someone who say began reading life, you know, loving a book like Cushiel's Dart and thinking, I want to write a book like this. And then you write a book like this and people will tell you, you can't start here. You can't start a book this way. And you're like, but look, Cushiel's Dart did it. And it's a best-selling book and changed a generation and all of this. And it's like, yeah, but no. 
because things change. And one marker of this is that when modern readers try to read Kujiel's Dart, which often happens because it's widely recommended, they will bounce off of it and they will say, I tried reading this book and nothing happened. And I kept reading and reading and nothing happened. That's part of what prompted my recent full reread was to find the page where you should begin. Oh, I think, shall I risk pausing? I really feel like I need to be able to tell you exactly which page. All right, we'll try it. Hold on. So far, so good. Okay, so here's Kushiel's Dart. Uh, and you can see how thick it is if you are on video. This is a mass market paperback and it's 912 pages. And you, if you are on video, you will see I have a little pink sticky note in here because I went and I figured out where the story actually begins <laughs> according to current sensibilities. And it is chapter 27, page 250. And what I've taken to doing for people who bounce off, uh, from trying to read these first 250 pages of backstory is I tell them begin at chapter 27 on page 250. Now purists, and I know you're out there and I know you're going to comment and feel free to comment. I know that there's a lot of great stuff in those first 250 pages. I've read them more than once and I absolutely agree. I love, those first 250 pages. There's a whole lot of world building. There's a lot of important uh, parts of Phaedra's character development, what makes her into the person she is. Uh, and it is backstory. It is the story begins, I will argue, um, and I can make a good argument for it on chapter 27. The book begins when Phaedra is about, I'm not sure if it even begins when she's 10 years old. Uh, I think she's younger than that when it begins. Uh, she begins her training um, as a courtesan at, at 10. So, and I also brought out, here's Cassiel's servant. So that great cover, there's Jocelyn on the cover. Um, and this is trade paperback and it is, uh, 520 pages, 515 pages, uh, in the big trade paperback size. And I'm more than halfway page 307. So, and I, I'm very much enjoying it, but I was really interested to see where she decided to begin Jocelyn's story. And I knew that she wanted to do the parallel, uh, you know, but when we have Jocelyn's point of view, we also got his life and it, she did decide to begin it with him being 10 years old. And I thought, would I have made that same choice? And I'm not sure I would have. Um, obviously Jacqueline Carey is an amazing author and I worship her, but I can't help thinking about these things. Right. Um, it's really interesting reading about his training and all of that. But in both cases, the story really kicks in when the two of them meet. Uh, and that's just the nature of the story. And I feel like sometimes writers who are primarily, you know, like Jacqueline Carey is more of a fantasy writer. She's, I don't know if she would cop to writing romance at all. Um, never talked to her about that. 
but this this book these books really are about an epic love affair and it's kind of they, they are opposites right she is a courtesan she is trained in the arts of love um and he is uh, a celibate priest warrior priest and so you know that it's one of those things where once they begin their love affair you know everybody's like oh well you know the gods are having a joke with you uh, because they're like the two people who should never be together and it's part of what makes their relationship awesome uh, and I'm not sure if um, I'm, I'm I'm loving the book I, I, I will not um, yeah absolutely loving the book gobbling it up I am not sure that she has made Jocelyn into as vivid a character as Phaedra maybe it's not possible Phaedra is larger than life. She will go down in literary history as one of the great heroines of all time. But um, Jocelyn's not as vivid to me as even Imriel in the subsequent books. Uh, I think that maybe it was difficult for her, and this is just me analyzing as another writer, I think it was difficult for her to find the person inside of the archetype for Jocelyn. Um, I would have liked it more if she, I would have liked it if she had leaned more into his conflicted sexuality. Um, and I know I've seen from various interviews with her or, um, and like I said, I've never met her as much as I would like to, uh, that she has made these comments about how these books, because one of the things about Fedra is that she is what's called an anguisette that she uh, takes pleasure from pain, right? She's basically a sexual submissive. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I get choked up thinking about it. Uh, that's part of what makes her so effective as a character through the books is that people underestimate her all the time because she is this sexual submissive. It makes her the perfect spy and she's also an incredibly strong human being like she ends up being the strongest and bravest human being capable of facing the most horrific things um, and there's a, a line that emerges in the series uh, that which yields is not weak I think I got that right so anyway uh, there is a whole lot that makes Fedra's character arc fascinating is that um, people regard her as being a plaything. Uh, you know, she gets hired out by rich people to be their sexual plaything. And, and she's, but she has this indomitable spirit and it's, and she's, you know, like was sold by her parents when she was very young. She lost the man who adopted her. She, she has this incredible arc. In fact, I really feel like in this trilogy by the third book, the her arc is is astounding i just think it's so brilliantly done um so i kind of wonder if jacqueline carey did not want to lean into that on jocelyn because she didn't want to get into that sexuality as much <clears throat> oh and that's why i started to say before is that she uh does has made these remarks about that it just figures that her books that are about essentially you know fetishism kinky sex that those are the ones that have sold the best 
I don't think it's because of the sex. I think it's because Phaedra is such an amazing character and it's such an incredibly well done world with the uh, mythology. I think Jocelyn should be much more conflicted about celibacy. Uh, she kind of put it in there. I think it needs more meat as it were. Uh, that's for you, Kat, if you're listening. I'm going to start using that. I hope you don't mind. Um, more meat on that, uh, that, that sense of his sexuality and longing and falling in love with Vedra. So, um, and I, I don't know, I, I, I was, I started out talking about this and I've gone long today about, you know, choosing where to start. Um, maybe, you know, she, Choosing to start with him being 10 years old is the obvious parallel. And I could see if you're making the mirror book that that's where you start. Um, it is a hundred and, I mean, it's a long book and we're in for a long book. So maybe that's fine. Um, it is page two, 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 uh, 115 chapter 16 when he meets Vedra. So, I mean, she did bring it up by like half, right? But um, I'm not sure that that training gives us everything we need for a story. Uh, but all that said, loving the book. You could see I like, if you're on video, that I like got it, like water on it and stuff. But this is an, this is an arc. I meant to say that at the outset. Uh, this is an uncorrected proof advanced reading copy that I, I have not a whole lot of power in the world, but I do have a tiny bit of power and I used that tiny bit of power to wrangle myself an arc because I did not want to wait for the release date. So, uh, but yes, we're all excited for this book. Um, I should have told you that there's spoilers. I'll put that in the, the blurby thing. Um, and they're not big spoilers though, right? After all, it's a book that's been written before. How many spoilers can there be? All right. Um, I am off to get some work done. Uh, I don't know if I'll podcast on Friday. I'll try to. And I will talk to you all. Well, maybe Friday, if not Friday, Monday. And I'll blog on Wednesday. You all take care. Bye-bye.